listening to All Things Relax with Sandy D. Inspiring women to relax and rejuvenate. Here's your host, Sandy D. Hello and welcome to the show. Today I'm talking with French-Canadian children's author Isabelle Larouche. We're going to mix things up a bit and start out in French and then transition to English. If you don't speak French, a brief summary will be available in the show notes. Bonjour Isabelle, merci d'avoir accepté notre invitation au podcast. Ça me fait très plaisir. Super. Commençons alors en français. Première question. Peux-tu partager ton parcours avec nous? Par exemple, d'où tu viens, ton enfance et comment as-tu découvert ta passion écrire? Alors, je suis née dans la province du Québec, au Canada, dans une belle région qu'on appelle le Saguenay-Lac-Saint-Jean. Alors, c'est une région au nord de la ville de Québec. Et euh, je suis née en pleine nature, tout près d'un grand lac euh, qui fait à peu près 26 kilomètres de diamètre et qui est absolument magnifique. Alors, pour moi, ça a été ma première source d'inspiration. Euh, je suis aussi née dans une famille d'artistes et cela euh, m'a permis justement de, 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 de me rapprocher de toute la façon possible de pouvoir s'exprimer. Ma mère est artiste peintre et mon père est un homme de communication qui a travaillé à la radio de Radio-Canada, qui est aussi historien. Alors... Tout ce beau mélange a fait de la petite fille curieuse que j'étais et que je suis encore euh, l'écrivaine que je suis maintenant. Merci beaucoup. Je peux bien imaginer, euh, entre peintre et ton père à la radio, ça doit donner beaucoup d'inspiration. Et en plus, pour l'Agni-Lac-Saint-Jean, euh, euh, je ne sais pas si je t'avais partagé, mais un de mes professeurs, celui qui m'enseignait le japonais, venait justement de là. <rire> nous sommes dans une région éloignée, mais nous sommes tout près du reste du monde quand même. Oui, non, vous êtes vraiment euh, des gens sympas, très sympas. Euh, donc, euh, merci beaucoup. Ensuite, on passe en anglais. Donc, euh, so, Isabelle, can you tell our listeners more about your writing process, starting with how the initial concept for a book usually starts? Okay. Well, usually I start with a flash, like an idea, something that comes up to my mind. It could be something beautiful that I see around me, a story or an anecdote that happened in my family or people that I know around me. It always starts with something that is like very naturally around me. And then I get inspired. And then that little seed just starts to take roots inside of my head. And then, and then I look around and for some reasons, there's always some kind of magic that will make that other stories will try to weave into that first one. And then I end up weaving many stories at the same time, but they all come from my life, the things that I, I've, I've seen, things that I've experienced, it always starts with, with, with me. <laughs> yeah, and I know um, some of your books um, are based on your cats, which is one of the things I would say would links us because I am a huge cat lady. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I remember you've got Showing Again and Shipsha. Um, that's one of my favorite books that you've written. <laughs> which is also translated into English under the title of Kitty Mat and Katmandu. 
Oh, perfect. So I'll make sure that we include that in the show notes for people who are interested who don't read French. Um, so yeah. <laughs> this is really fascinating. So I have a question for you. What do you do when you have writer's block or do you ever have writer's block? Well, we always do because sometimes it happens that, you know, the thread is thinning a little bit or, well, when that happens, I just uh, turn off my computer. I wear my walking shoes and I go out in a forest. I go out somewhere where there's nature and I go for a long walk. I try not to think of anything, make free space in my head. And that is the best way to get inspired again. Sometimes I don't, I'm not afraid to, uh, to go away from my writing for a few days, even for a few weeks. And it gives a chance to rejuvenate my brain. It gives a chance to rejuvenate my ideas. It's just like when, uh, you know, farmers, sometimes they have their fields and they need to let the field rest a bit in order to have a better harvest the next year. Well, sometimes I accept that it, it's something that I need to do when I write a book. I love that analogy with farming because I don't know if I told you, but I grew up in Southampton, which people say, oh, that's the, you know, she, she, she Hamptons. But I grew up there year round and Southampton back in the time, at least, um, was really big on farming. And so I know exactly what you're talking about with letting the fields lie fallow and rotating and everything. So I really like that analogy that you've made with farming. <laughs> um, so. What advice do you have if there's people out there who have a story to share, but they don't know how to get started? Well, the best advice is just to start. <laughs> really, <laughs> you, it doesn't have to have a shape right away. But, you know, you just have to dig around. You have an idea. There's something beautiful. Just like when you walk in the forest and you see a little plant growing, there's maybe weeds around it. But that's okay. You pay attention that, to that little plant that's growing. And then, and then when you pay attention to it, well, then you might take off some weeds. You might give it a little bit more dirt, a little bit more attention. And it's the same thing. You have an idea. You want to write a story. You feel it inside of you. Well, just go and dig it, you know, take your pen, take your laptop, whatever, talk about it, write, tell your story. You don't even need to write it. Just tell your story. Find somebody who has a good ear and say, listen, I have a good story. Would you want to hear it? And just speaking, telling your story orally, it helps to give a shape to it and to shape it to the audience that you have in front of you. So I often talk and tell my stories before I write them. And it's the best way for me to get it started. But, you know, you can pile up papers and papers and, and pages and it can be all mixed up, but something will come out of it. But if you wait for the perfect time, if you wait for the perfect um, uh, perfect situation or the perfect, um, uh, you know, strategy, you will never write. <laughs> That's true. The perfectionists are the masters of procrastination. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, I really like how you're talking about um, it's almost like a little plant that you kind of pull the weeds away from and you trim it. It's just while you were saying that I was visualizing the whole editing process. I, I love that. <laughs> um, Definitely. So, so this is great. So we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to know more about what you've been up to and what you've been coping with uh, the last several months. All right. With everything going on in the world today, we need to be inspired 
We need to be uplifted. All Things Relax presents 31 quotes featuring powerful visionaries such as Michelle Obama, Maya Angelou, Brene Brown, and more. This beautiful collection will inspire, ignite, and uplift you. Each purchase supports future visionaries at the Duke Ellington School of the Arts. Download yours today at allthingsrelax.myshopify.com. So tell us some of your past projects and what you're working on now. Well, maybe uh, you know about that, but I've been a teacher of French as a second language for about 17 years. And I've been teaching in the First Nation, First Nation communities. And that has given me um, the way of addressing myself, addressing my stories to the children. And also, I have been a lot inspired by the different communities where I've lived. You know, I've lived in Inuit communities in Nunavik, which is northern part of Quebec province, which is the Inuit, you know, the people that used to live in the igloos. And a very, very inspiring lifestyle. And a lot of stories came from, from that experience. I've also taught with the Mohawks, the Iroquois people, uh, besides Montreal, which are also what I'm going to be doing this year. So this has given me a solid background to um, have some kind of a specialization with the First Nation. Also, when I was a child, my parents were archaeologists. and They were the founders of the Society of Archaeology in the, the region where I grew up. And as a child, I would follow them in the canoe and I would go up the rivers and follow the footsteps of the ancestors and all those beautiful nations that have lived and uh, survived in, in for thousands of years. So all this has been the background that I've been carrying with me. Um, and being a teacher has given me also a direction, like I said, a, a better way to speak with the children and, and to know their interest and, and what what really um, gets them going, you know, in terms of what they would like to read or experience or their, their interest. Um, I've been writing since I was a little girl at eight years old. I was, um, the, I, I had, I made a newspaper and I was writing the news of all the people around me and the animals. And I would sell this newspaper for a dollar a piece. It was all, and I would do the illustrations and all this. And I did that for five years. Can you imagine? And I've also wow. was very, and I still am, write my diary almost every day. And uh, that also has taught me, and it, it made writing something that is just as important for me as breathing or eating. So, of course, um, in the last months, I've been writing. <laughs> All my activities due to COVID have stopped, and I was like, many people home, homebound. And uh, during that process uh, where I was at home and doing nothing, well, instead of stressing out, I just finished all kinds of projects that were just waiting to be finished. And I ended up with 12 new books uh, during the last months. So yeah, because <laughs> I didn't, I didn't just fingers wow. you know I, I i wrote and i didn't feel the uh the confinement you know in it was just a very very important creative process for me wow you really had a creative burst there so that almost i could say positively impacted you in some respects yeah. finally <laughs> i had time to write <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that is fantastic. Um, can you just clarify for some of our listeners who might not be uh, as aware of the First Nations in Quebec, um, just talk a little bit more about who the First Nations are? I mean, I understand who they are, but I'm not sure if everybody else yeah. really is familiar. Yeah, well, in Quebec, you have 11 different nations that are very different with their own language, their own culture, their own history. It's uh, In Canada, we have way more than that, but in just in the province of Quebec. The thing is that the territory is uh, very wide, very large. Right? The province of Quebec is really big. And you have yeah. like the Inuit that are in the northern part. You have the Crees. You have um, what we call the nomadic people uh, that are about... Uh, okay eight nations that are nomadic. So that means that they were hunters, they were um, harvesters, you know, like in, in the wild berries and all that, but they, they didn't have settlements that they would stay for many years in the same place. They would follow the seasons. And two other nations are what we call um, uh, sedentary. You know, they would, they would, they would be the, around, around the um, St. Lawrence River and it would be the okay. Iroquois and the Hurons. So these two nations would settle for years and they would have a different culture because of that. And nowadays they still carry on their, their culture, but a lot of it has been lost because of uh, residential schools that uh, uh, the government uh, had started, you know, hundreds of years ago. And that really kind of um, took away their culture and for a lot of them, their language. And the language is, um, is just an important part of the culture, you know. Uh, when I would go in a community and whenever we'd see an elder uh, passing, uh, you know, dying, it would be like pages of a dictionary that you just rip away. And it's just as much knowledge that is lost forever. So the First Nations uh, are into a process right now of reappropriating themselves, their own culture. And it's a long process and it, it's, it, comes along, it comes along with a lot of pain and a lot of resentment. But we are into a very constructive and um, opening a, com a communication with, with them so that they can gather all those pieces that were lost uh, along the years, you know. So it's a very positive way that it's happening, but there's still a lot of pain attached to that. So um, you've also written several books that I, I guess we could say document their culture, even in some of their native languages, correct? Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I, because for, for me, I love languages. I don't speak English perfectly, but I love languages. I learn English with imaginary friends, right? <laughs> Your English is better than some so of the So if I have a few mistakes, it's because my imaginary friends weren't perfect. But uh, the same thing is a lot of my books are translated in Inuktitut, which is the Inuit language. And if you uh, have a chance, uh, if your listeners have a chance to see uh, the way they write, you know, it's a beautiful uh, alphabet they have. It's called, it's it's um, it's syllables. It's called syllabics. And it's, it's made with little triangles. And so that, that makes it very beautiful to look at. And it's quite easy to learn because it's phonetic uh, for the Inuit. Um, some other of my books are written in the in an Algonquian dialect, so that's uh, with our regular alphabet, and the words are really, really long and very hard to. Uh, <laughs> 
pronounced, <laughs> but it's always fun to open up to different cultures. You know, these languages have been spoken in North America for thousands and thousands of years, you know, and it's poetic when you start to learn a little bit about their vocabulary and the way the sentence is being um is constructed, you know, it's just oh, syntax, it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It's it's a it's something that we feel we feel that English and French is a very poor language when you start to learn about uh, native languages. Wow, yeah, that's definitely the link between language and culture. Something that's always fascinated me um, because my undergraduate studies was in linguistics, and it just t- tells you a lot about a culture. When you start to try to translate things and there are concepts that don't necessarily exist in the other culture, no. I just find that fascinating. Wow, I really love hearing about um, just hearing about your explorations into other cultures. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think we already really pretty much touched on this, but if you want to add anything else, um, uh, how has COVID-19 affected your plans, your dreams, as well as personal development? And you already kind of touched on that, yeah. but if there's anything else. Well, the thing add. is that being a full-time writer, uh, I write in French. So that means that, well, except a few books that are translated. So my public is smaller in North America. You know, I can sell my books in Quebec because most of the readers uh, are francophones in Quebec, but also the rest of Canada, there are a few other communities, you know, where they learn French. So to make a living, to be a writer, I need to go into schools, I need to go into libraries and do conferences and do special projects with the teachers. And this is how I make a living because I've given up teaching uh, in 2008. You know, that was my last year teaching full time. And I became a full time writer after that. But then earning my, 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 my bread on the table became yeah. impossible with COVID because schools closed and um, and then now they're limiting visitors into schools and all this. So I became really anxious thinking that, oh, maybe my dream is uh, being seriously affected right now. So I've decided to go back into teaching for one year just by the time the, the things settle down and that I don't have to eat peanut butter for, uh, for a year, right? <laughs> so... Right, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I, I, I went back to the Iroquois community where I taught for eight years uh, in the nineties, and uh, of course I know the community. And uh, when I offered my services, you know, it was just like perfect timing. Um, the French teacher there was had a maternity leave, and uh, the, the the minute I called, you know, she was actually having her baby so the timing was perfect just like the stars were lined up and of course this year i'll be i'll be teaching so this way um i'm still going to be doing project with uh, writing i'm going to write a book with my my students actually um and i'm going to pair them with another school uh uh, non-native school so there's going to be a cultural exchange and still projects about writing book and also the 12 books that i wrote during the the covid you know i still need to find them a house a publisher so i'll be working on this but it'll be a safe heaven for me to be a teacher for a whole year and just another beautiful cultural experience that i'm sure is going to inspire me many other stories you know because it never ends <laughs> well i was just thinking yeah i mean even though you've had to sort of set aside and you'll be in back in the classroom, I can imagine that that's going to be the source of many future stories. And also just um, 
I think this is kind of a, a really interesting time to be going into the to the classroom. Just, I mean, with all the social isolation of the past several months to be able to go back in and, and work with students, I, I find that fascinating, actually. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're you know, children, they're, they're the most beautiful human beings, you know. They're fresh, they're open, their mind is no judgment, you know. And I love being around children, you know. I find that as adults, we need to keep the inner child inside of us, you know, to stay, uh, to, to see wonderful things around us. Because I find that some people, when they grow older, lose that innocence, they lose that sense of wonder. And uh, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm so, I feel so good when I'm around children. And I feel that they, they teach me how to stay like that. Yes, I agree. I, I tend to learn a lot from younger people. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, quick question. How do you think COVID-19 is shaping or reshaping society in Quebec and from your perspective, even globally? Well, I hope, I do hope that it's going to be, it's, it's like um, a, a strong bell ringing, you know, we have to make a change, you know, and we have to change everything because even before COVID, just the environmental point of view, the fact that humanity has become so individualistic, you know, me, myself, and I, you know, this is mine and this whole thing. And with COVID, well, unfortunately, some people kept on the individualistic state of mind, and which is wrong, which is the wrong path. But when I saw people helping one another, uh, I had friends who were preparing meals for the elderly citizens. I had friends who were, you know, went out of their way just to help and, and try to be a better person, you know. And I hope that what's, that's what COVID is going to add, you know. It's, it's a, bi a big bell ringing, you know, and we need to, to make those changes. And we have the perfect opportunity to do it because right now the whole planet is affected by this thing. So for me, it has to be positive. It has to be a part. It has to bring positive changes in Quebec. You know, just like in the United States, we've seen people who don't believe that this is happening for real. And they think that it's just a lie. And, and oh, I, I, I get so, I feel so sorry for, for people who still keep the individualistic me, myself and I, you know, Human beings, we don't we don't survive as one person, and I've seen that with the First Nation communities. You know, um, we we are we are we love being with other people because we need other people. We're stronger. Just alone, we're nothing. You know, we need to unite and unite in the right direction. You know, we know I know that we can make those beautiful changes and make this planet such a beautiful place, but. There are some mistakes being done, you know, and we see a lot of people. Yeah, especially, yeah. yeah, especially down, sorry to interrupt, especially down here, it has been very frustrating mm -hmm. to see something become so politicized as far as this is to protect not just yourself, but yeah. others. Um, and uh, just on a personal perspective, we waited and waited. My mom was recovering from cancer. Mm -hmm. It was pretty aggressive cancer. We waited until July finally to go down to see her because she's in sort of a hot spot, North Carolina. Yeah. 
she was hospitalized when COVID really hit the fan in March and in April from side effects from radiation. Mm -hmm. And so she said to us, please, before you come, make sure you do the social distancing and self-isolation for two weeks before you come. And I said, oh, mom, don't worry. We have been doing this all along, not just the two weeks before we came. Um, And when we went to actually see, this is going to see my own mother, we had to wear the masks in her house like anytime we were in contact with her because her immune system is still fragile from recovering from the cancer. So when I see people out there who are, you know, complaining about their rights and, you know, they don't want to wear the mask. I'm just, I'm baffled. I can't understand how someone can be so selfish. Um, so yeah, but on the bright side, um, I don't know if the listeners all know this, but I do work with a large population. My nine to five gig is working with international students and my international students, they are the best because they understand the importance of wearing the mask. They've been doing this for, you know, since they were little, like when they even just get a cold to put on a mask. So um, I am hopeful that some of the, some of the younger generation will understand, Hey, we're in this together. It's not just about, you know, me, 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 me. So, um, but yeah. And, um, my older son, Nick is going back to college next week. It starts. And most of the classes are actually going to be held remotely, um, with the exception of maybe one. And the campus is very adamant about, they're calling it the campaign is mask up or pack up. Meaning if you're not compliant, you will be expelled from school. So. It's good to know that at least some places are taking it seriously, but I agree back to what you were saying. It's, it's really, it's really sad to have seen um, some of the people who don't take this seriously and don't understand the science behind Mm -hmm. it. So, Mm -hmm. and it's such a simple thing to do, you know, to care about the others, open up, open up our hearts a little bit, you know, let's, let's do it together. You know, look at the ants, they work together and they've been there for millions and millions of years. And maybe there'll be an end (laughs) of the world, but ants will still be there. You know, I think that as humans, we should forget uh, a little bit more about um, our own, you know, selfishness and uh, open up our hearts a little bit and do a simple gesture, you know, just, simple things, easy, and that can make such a big difference. So this is what I'm hoping that COVID is going to bring, you know, that, that's that shift of, of mindset, you know, and, and it's going to be good for the environment. It's going to be good for everything. And also as human beings, you know, we're going to, a lot of people are, are discovering uh, not only how to make bread, but how to make so many things, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have a budding chef at home. <laughs> My older son has been cooking all kinds of exotic dishes, you know, tikka masala, uh, so homemade Indian food and homemade naan, and I, I, the list goes on. It's like, wow, maybe you should just stay home forever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks. Okay, so um, coming up after the next break, we're going to talk about who and what inspires Isabel and what she does to relax. Life is a beautiful playground filled with 
opportunities, and things to discover. French-Canadian author, educator, and children's storyteller Isabelle LaRouche is a charismatic animator and bridge builder between Quebec's First Nation communities and readers across Canada and beyond. Isabelle's next book, The Little Lost Dog, will be released in French, English, Spanish, Italian, German, and Portuguese. Learn more about Isabelle and explore her children's books collection at IsabelleLaRouche.com. So we've talked about how you get inspiration for writing and how you're handling COVID. Now I'd like to know more about how you relax and recharge your batteries, Isabel. So, well, maybe I've mentioned that before, but uh, I grew up by nature. I grew up by a beautiful lake. And this is where I'm standing right now speaking to you, Sandy, is I'm at the Lac Saint-Jean, Lake Saint-Jean in Quebec. And uh, it's just the arriving of uh, fall, slowly, slowly the leaves are changing, the wind is just fresher, and that is just the best, best inspiration for me. It's the way I ground myself, you know, last night I just swam again in the lake and the lake is getting a little bit chillier, you know, but to feel one with all what's around me and the best way to feel one with the surroundings is to be in into nature and it's my way of being grounded you know just like the trees have you noticed the deeper their roots are the higher they grow <laughs> and i think as a human person this yep. is this is how i want to be i want to have deeper roots and the more i'm aging you know i'm 52 now so my roots are are deeper a wider spread but i'm also a taller tree and maybe a a, a more solid tree you know storms can hit me and I'll I'll be stronger because I'm deeply rooted. So for me, nature is my best teacher, my best source. Um, During the winter, I don't live here at my cottage, but I live uh, nearby Montreal in Saint-Eustache, which is a beautiful little historical town. So there's less nature, but I always go for long walks and I listen to music. I listen to the silence. um, And for me, it's just my best way to, to get inspired. So a lot of solitude moments, you know, I've been talking about being united with other humans, but uh, solitude, to be able to make solitude your friend is also a, a, a good way um, to turn off the computers, turn off the cell phone and just look around, you know, so rarely you see people sitting in a public bench with not even their phone on their hands. You know, it's hard just to sit and watch and listen and let silence happen, you know. So it's a little exercise that we need to do a little bit more, but this is where ideas rejuvenate. This is where sometimes you need to have the white page, you know, that to create that 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 space, you know. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, so hard. Really. it's hard and it's harder nowadays <laughs> yeah. because we always have the cell phone and Facebook and Instagram and all the rest, you know, but it's good to be able to disconnect from that. And I, I am speaking for myself because I have trouble doing that too, you know, and I have to make um, an effort. Uh, Besides, music is a very important part of me. There's always a soundtrack going on. Um, I listen to, I've always been like that. Um, When I write, of course, I will listen to a lot of instrumental music because sometimes, you know, the lyrics will, uh, will disturb me, you know, um, 
a lot of ambient music. I love, right. uh, you know, music for movies. Uh, I listen to a lot of Daniel Lanois, uh, which is probably known in the States. He lives in Los Angeles now, but he's a music producer for uh, major artists like U2 and yeah. uh, Bob Dylan. But I love this kind of surrounding uh, etherical environment, you know, that music can, can make because it does make a little bubble and I could be in a cafe somewhere and still being very, very uh, concentrated into my story. You know, as soon as my little little moment, you know, little fire is crackling, you know, like my, my story, you know, like the, 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 it's really starting. I just have to blow on it and, and the story keeps on going. You know, it's hard to start the fire, but once the fire is started, you know, as soon as I lean my head over my, my story, I, I just, I'm being absorbed by it, you know. And, and music will help me to draw that screen. Um, I read a lot too. Reading um, will inspire me. Sometimes there are authors that will, um, as soon as I'm reading a few pages, you know, my hand gets antsy and I need to write. You know, some some authors are uh, very inspiring, and some others. I'm so impressed that I I'm, I can be few a few days without being able to write because they're just too good. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, How am I going to be able to, to, to top that? But uh, it, it's good also. It's, so I, I read a lot. I'm an avid reader and I'm, I, I cannot say an author that I prefer. I will read Japanese literature. I will read American literature, of course, French Canadian literature, French literature, um, I am just like music. I listen to African music. Any? I listen to sati. I listen to, you know, Indian music, whatever. You know, there, there's no, uh, <laughs> the sky is the limit for me. Yeah. <laughs> Have you read, you mentioned Japanese literature. Have you had a chance yet to read uh, Haruki Murakami? who's very much into sort of, I don't know how to describe him, but he's like almost like fantasy. I can't describe his literature, but. Have well, I've heard, but I, I haven't had the chance to put my hand on it yet. Yeah, oh. but uh, oh. oh, I'll have to send you some. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, I'll send you some. And then, when you're talking about music, um, when you were talking about how instrumental music, especially, is good for you because then you don't have lyrics to disturb you. Um, I'll have to send you some really good instrumental music. I uh, used to work in publishing, and it's kind of funny because a lot of the people in the more corporate publishing world actually have a whole side life that's more creative. And one of my former coworkers um, has something he did several years ago. It's called Kitsune Ensemble. Oh, and I will send you. you the information on that. But its base, its source is his love of Japanese culture and folklore. And I'll, I'll send that over to you because I think that would help you with your right. Well, I think that would be another good Sometimes the music is so writing. good that I'm tired of writing, but the music is so good that I got to keep go keep on going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like exactly. a good dose of coffee or something. <laughs> oh, this is great. So next question I want to ask um, is who and what inspires well, you? I kind of touched a little bit the answer in uh, in my first uh, in the first question, but uh, yeah. yeah, well, I'm inspired by people that are passionate, people that are just you know mm. they can go. There's no wall that can stop them. I'm I'm very inspired by people like that, and it doesn't have to be a superhero, you know. 
superheroes. It could be my mother, who's just a person like that, who's such an artist who, who there's nothing that could stop her. You know, she's a, she's a carver. She's a painter. She's, uh, she used to, to do to to sew clothes she 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 builds stone walls she 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 plants trees she <laughs> she can move mountains and 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 some of the people are just passionate about what they're doing you know i i live with a painter my my husband is a painter and 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 he's yes Claude Bolduc is a very good painter. <laughs> very surrealistic. <laughs> and he's very passionate about these things. And, and we can talk for hours, you know. There's never, um, there's never a, a, an end to, to, to this passion. And I've seen passionate people in the teaching world. I've seen passionate people that can change the world just by, just by what they love. And for me, they are the most inspiring people. They're the type of people that I want to be around. You know, they just spread positive energy. You know, there's something just sitting beside them. They don't even have to talk. I feel their energy. I feel yeah. something constructive. Um, people that complain all the time and always see the bad side, I tend to stay away from them. They 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 suck my energy out. You know, I'm very sensitive. Yeah, we have a term for that in English. We say energy yeah. vampire. So, yeah, you have to protect yourself and shield yourself yeah. from the energy vampires and, and surround yeah. yourself with and more positivity. When I was teaching my last year teaching in the early uh, 2000, I had a burnout, a professional burning, you know, from being just too tired. And, and I think that's caused probably because there were people around me who were energy vampires, you know, it, it, they, they, they stopped me from burning from having my own passions you know they would put out my fires and uh so yeah people that inspire me i wouldn't be able to put names on it because there would be too many um yeah and it, it, it's not yeah. necessarily people that i see people that i that i've been able to be in contact love for for real but people that i read people right. that i uh, hear you know musicians uh, filmmakers uh, people that make a difference and they are you know, it could just being around a little, little person, it can, can be inspiring, you know, a child that, that is fighting a disease or a child doing a project on his own. And so, you know, there's always a sort of inspiration, you know, every time I put my foot outside my home, there's an inspiration going on. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, you're speechless now. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Bush Bay. Bush Bay. <laughs> Part of it broke up a little bit, but no, I, I just, I hear you as far as just, there's so many people out there and it's not necessarily, you know, the big names. It's just so many people out there that never really even get recognized, but that really can be a source of inspiration. And I don't know, you probably didn't see it, but um, a lot of people down here last, last night were watching um, the Democrat National Convention. And last night there was this um, child who, who has a speech impediment 
who had met um, presidential candidate Joe Biden and Joe Biden. And he had had this conversation, I guess. And um, they had this um, boy who stutters, who was on national TV live yesterday, who gave a speech to say how much presidential candidate Joe Biden inspired him. And I just thought that gave me chills because even if it's not Joe Biden, who, Oh, yeah, he's gonna be the president. It's just that this adult took the time to talk to this child and share with him his strategies for overcoming a speech impediment and just to inspire this kid. Like that's life changing for this child. And absolutely. It, it I've seen it cry. on the news actually. <laughs> yeah. It's very, very, that's, that's a perfect example. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. very moving. Wow. Well, Isabel, I have really enjoyed having you on the show today, and I can't wait for your next book to come out next <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, there are a few coming. Uh, there's one in the, in, in, that's going to be um, just um, uh, not a real, not, not a paper book, but uh, just on, a, it's called Mini Minus. It's a platform, and all the stories, there's already a few stories. It's, it's Quebec-based, but it's all around the world. And it goes on, uh, you could read it on iPad. It's like an application, you know, that you download. And uh, the story is going to be translated into six languages. And uh, so that's my first uh, numeric, like uh, electronic book that I'm going to have. And it's coming in the next few months, but I'm going to have a few other ones, a few stories about the Inuit uh, also. So people that are uh, interested in dog sled and all this uh, world, you know. And of course, uh, I have one story also that's for adults that's called Prophecy. Um, and it's kind of, um, it's kind of a tale, um, about the environment, but also relationship with people and how love will change the world. And it's a story that's on four, four different epochs and with, with one, um, homeless uh, lady who's, uh, who who never dies. uh, And she's into these four epochs and she will, she has a mission and and that's a story that's very inspiring uh, i think that for your listeners you know if they can read french because unfortunately it hasn't been translated but uh, if anybody has to put a yeah. hand on it it's something very magical it's a story that i wrote when i was living difficult moments and writing was my search for light mm-hmm. and that book really brought light to me but wow. also all the people that read it also felt the same thing you know they had this uh, this um, feel good uh, feeling that we can all do something but as long as we're together you know we can save the world <laughs> So what historical time periods do you travel uh, It's going to be uh, just before the, the crash, ni- 1929. And uh, the second oh, wow. epoch mm-hmm. is now. <laughs> the third is the near okay. future in the uh, 2050-something-ish. Wow. And then the fourth chapter is okay. uh, in the far future. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, we're going to have to check this out. I'll have to make sure we put that in the show notes. That sounds <laughs> <Good>. really cool. <laughs> cool. Wow. Okay, so um, for our listeners, you can learn more about Isabelle Larouche at isabellarouche.com. And I'll drop links in the show notes and any of the books that she's mentioned. Um, I'll make sure that we have that in the notes. Um, thank you again. Merci beaucoup, Isabelle. I want to thank everyone for listening. We appreciate your support. Ciao. 
La vie est un beau terrain de jeu, rempli de possibilités et de belles choses à découvrir. L'écrivaine québécoise, éducatrice et conteuse pour enfants, Isabelle Larouche est une animatrice charismatique qui tisse les liens entre la communauté autochtone du Québec et les lecteurs à travers le Canada et au-delà. Son prochain livre, Le Petit Chien Perdu, sera disponible en français, anglais, espagnol, italien, allemand et portugais. Venez découvrir Isabelle et son univers à isabellarouche.com. You have been listening to All Things Relax with Sandy D, inspiring women to relax and rejuvenate. We invite you to leave a comment and review our podcast. Check out our blog and online boutique at allthingsrelax.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram at allthingsrelax. Until next time.